Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. This is the Build Your Network podcast, episode 385. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place, because this the Build Your Network podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today is another kind of segment here that we've been going off of, which is the watch list. The people that I believe are the up and comers, the ones that you got to keep your eye on here in the next few years, because I think their brands are going to absolutely explode, um, especially within their specific industries. And uh, I got one of those guys uh, sitting with me right here. So Sam Newell, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. For those people that are listening or watching right now, Sam's main expertise is real estate, everything to do with real estate on the retail side and on the investment side. And we're going to get into a bunch of those things tactically and practically. Um, But before we do that, let's kind of rewind the clock here, go back to sixth, seventh grade, Sam, talk to me about like, you know, likes, dislikes, interests, what you're up to uh, back in the day. Wow. That's, that's quite a while back. Um, You know, I I was a big fan of the movie Top Gun, so I'm excited for number two to come out this year. Nice. And my goal is to be Air Force fighter pilot, just dropping bombs and shooting other planes out of the sky. So because of that movie, that's what started it. My grandpa flew in World War II and and Vietnam and Korea, and so that was the goal up all the way through high school. As I was accepted to the Air Force Academy, um, or had my recommendation, and. went on a Mormon mission, just decided not to go. But, but seventh grade, eighth grade, all, all through high school, that was the thought, playing basketball, getting ready for the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Did you play a lot of sports? Yeah, uh, mostly basketball, but yeah, rode dirt bikes, grew up in Idaho, so you know, a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. 
Was there anything that uh, you feel, like any big lessons that you feel that you took away from that experience? Yeah, you know, getting ready for the Air, Air Force Academy, I, I had to have a 4.0, um, got one B in high school. So I, I focused on my studies. Um, but I would say looking back, I, I really enjoyed basketball and I had a basketball coach that made a huge impact in my life and he understood me as a player. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the one individual that I said, you know, I want to be like that guy some, someday. He understood his players and really worked hard to not only help us play basketball, but um, improve ourselves and wanted us to be happy and have fun. And, yeah. and also, you know, um, he, was, he was just a great basketball coach and, and a great person. Yeah. So anything business, entrepreneurship in high school, junior high, anything like that? You know, I had this crazy friend. He's still my best friend. Um, he was slinging Oakley sunglasses out of a briefcase that we bought from China for like four bucks. <laughs> Um, so he's always been my best buddy, the guy that we just, we always were sitting in the hot tub twice a week, even still today, brainstorming, trying to figure out schemes and way to make, ways to make more money. But um, yeah, ever since high school, he's kind of been a buddy that I'll bounce ideas off. And all we knew is that we wanted to make a lot of money. We didn't know how we were going to do that. So once we were in college, um, we started talking about flipping property and and um, I would say lesson from high school, the way my basketball coach made me feel as a person is what I remember to this day. Hmm. And to him, basketball and winning was so important. But every day in practice, what was more important to him was his players, how they felt, and, and how they were doing mentally. And, and he really cared about us. And so carrying that forward into a real estate or any type of business situation, that is the key to success and that's what i've taken forward is how are my clients feeling how or even my my marriage how's my wife feeling you know mm -hmm. we just everything in life goes back to how do how are you making the people feel around you so you come out of high school and you go i'm kind of unfamiliar too on, on how like all the mormon church works so you go directly out of high school to the mission is that yeah right? you get married to, to seven wives uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really not really um so yeah i put in my papers and and so in, in mormon culture if you want to go on a mission when you're 19 18 or 19 you send in your papers to salt lake city and they tell you where you're going to go for two years okay and your job is to preach Jesus and the Bible for six days a week, six and a half days a week, knocking doors, wow. trying to get into people's homes and, and help them learn about the gospel. And so they sent me to Peru. I learned Spanish and spent two years in Peru knocking on doors. And Did you learn Spanish before you went or uh, so they, like a so crash they, course? When you got so there? they send you to a They have one of the best language programs in the world, but they'll send you uh, to six weeks of crash course. Okay. Uh, 12 hour days learning Spanish. Oh, so wow. I, I could speak very well when I got to Peru um, after six weeks. Had a hard time understanding for, for a couple of months sure. still, but um, spoke great fluent Spanish um, within, within a year. Wow. Um, and, you know, after two years, just felt like I, you know, it was, it was actually hard getting back because I still thought and dreamt in Spanish for a couple of months. Really? Wow. When I got back from Peru. So that was interesting. But you still speak it today? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have buddies and okay. I speak Spanish all the time with clients. And yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a huge advantage for sure. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fun when, uh, you know, I sold security systems. It was fun going to the Hispanic neighborhoneds and, and their excuse was, oh, no, no, I speak oh, English. Yeah. yeah. 
And I was like, oh, está bien, I've been there. speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, um, yeah, was, you know, did two years and went off to BYU. And Okay, so BYU was the school of choice. And was that... Like, no, that was the school of default that my mom secretly applied me to without me knowing. Gotcha. So, so like, where did all the Air Force Academy, like, so you'd already, I don't know, like, man. kind of stop doing that? or On my mission, it was, there's a lot of structure. When you're, you're expected to hit numbers as a missionary, you're expected to teach people and... And I said, you know what? I, I was so structured in high school with getting, trying to get a 4.0. Now two years of this, I, I want to go have some fun with my friends. And mm. so I said, you know, I'll, I'll go the, um, I'll still do Air Force, but the ROTC route. Okay. So Basically I got- Basically going as an officer. Yeah, yeah, point. yeah. And, and, but not, because the Air Force Academy, it's like, you have to be crazy smart and dedicated and there's no fun happening at the Air Force Academy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's intense. Okay. So. Decided I didn't want that be. route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if you're gonna fly F-16s like I wanted to, you, you're you're studying all the time. Right. So I wanted to go play basketball, intramural basketball with my buddies, and that's what we did. We won championships, inter, intramural basketball at BYU, BYU and nice. and um, yeah, I just had to change your heart in Peru. So in BYU, then, what was your main area of study? What was your major? So I went from. Uh, mechanical engineering, which was I realized I wasn't nerdy enough. Okay. I didn't, in, I, I'm, I'm an introvert, but I'm a people person introvert. Okay. So I, I like socializing. Like you, might have, and, you may have been capable of the studies, but it wasn't something that uh, fired you up or got you excited. I wasn't fired up at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I had started uh, alarm sales and pest control sales. And I in was like. Summer. Just during time. the summer. Okay, yep. Summer to programs. pay for school, making 50 grand every summer. And I was like, why the heck would I go be an engineer? Or I had switched my major to construction management. Why would I go do that for 12 months? To make 60 grand when yeah. I could. So I knew I needed to do something in sales and, and that's when my buddy I mentioned earlier, the dude slinging oak, fake Oakleys in high school, um, he's like, dude, let's flip houses. Gotcha. And I was like, I have no idea what that is, but can we make money? I grew up doing construction. So bought my first flip with my money from it that I made from uh, selling, selling stuff that summer. Oh, really? Nice. And what year was this? That was 2010. So, okay, so talk pretty about perfect timing. time, yeah, to start <laughs> buying flipping properties, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, success is a combination of a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck, or yeah, sometimes a lot sure, of luck. Sure, sure, and timing for sure. Yeah. So, what was that first deal like? Tom, like a little bit of numbers there. Bank owned. It had sold for 330 thousand in 2007. I bought it for 170 from the bank with my wife. We had been married uh, for about a year at that time. Her parents were pissed. Because they, did, she, I didn't know this. I didn't know how rich she grew up, but she grew up really rich, tons of money. Her grandpa was a real estate investor. Left left the family millions when he died, and um, it was nasty. I mean, cat pee, dog pee, had to gut the thing. But we ended up making seventy grand on it, and wow. her parents were not had as a little bit more point. faith in me at that <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, they said, I don't know if they still liked me, but um, they had a little more faith in me. They were just pissed that they're like. Why is this kid taking this huge risk when he just married our daughter? No, they're like, why the hell is our daughter having to live in that crap hole of uh, a place? Oh, oh, so you bought it and lived in it? Yeah, we, gotcha, we house gotcha. hacked it, it. House so hack, we lived yeah. in it, and it was bad. Gotcha. I, mean, I did all the work, and within a year, it was really nice. But yeah. And then we moved into, from there, a duplex, and that was even nastier. And <laughs> so um, finally, I'm in a nice house. Ten years later, we bought our first nice house, and I think they're... A little bit more satisfied with where we live. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, 
Bottom line is though, the reason that you can afford such a nice house is because you were willing to do those types of things when yeah. you were first starting out, right? Yeah, most people want to max out their budget and, and sure. we both agreed, props to my wife for putting up with it for 10 years, we both agreed we'd make the sacrifice yeah. and save our money and invest it. Yeah, love that. Done. Yeah, it's something that we try to touch on pretty frequently here on the show because that's obviously something that I believe in. Yeah. Um, you know, I drive a used Camry, I drive nice. my other cars, a used Tundra, you know, like I just would prefer to not waste a bunch of money on a bunch of things, um, yeah. when, especially when those things don't really bring real joy, right? Like right. if you're maybe, maybe, maybe if you're just a huge car person and like that's your identity and like that's what you really love, then maybe you can justify spending the type of money to go drive your dream car, especially you if know? you're in an industry where it's like, you know, profitable for you to go do that. However, yeah, I don't know. However, I would say that I have never regretted spending money on experiences. Right. Like so that's been our that's been our like um not getaway, that's that's our compromise, I guess. Is like sure. we're not gonna spend money on like this crazy nice house right now. We're not gonna spend money on a bunch of nice cars right now. We're not gonna spend money on stupid things like, you know, yep. ten thousand dollar watches and thousand dollar pairs of shoes and purses and handbags. Like we're not gonna do any of that. But we're gonna go out of the country, like That's at least cool. once a year. We're gonna go yeah. see this place or go to that place. We're gonna go on a cruise or we're gonna reward ourselves and like by experiencing things. And I think those experiences help make life a little bit richer um, rather yeah. than just collecting items that just kind of sit in your garage. 100% agree. And that's why I'm selling my Hellcat. Are you? <laughs> I hit Officially. It, I, I set a huge goal in 2018 and bought my dream car yeah. and it was it was fun. I thought I was a bigger car guy than I am because okay. I love so that you, car. It was probably more of the chase then for you then, huh? It was. I, I love chasing goals. I yeah. love setting big, scary goals. And, and um, our goal right now is to get to 100, um, 100 million in purchases this year. But, but yeah, the car doesn't bring lasting joy, even though I'm a huge car nerd. Yeah. Um, you know, 700 horsepower is a lot of fun. But... I'd rather use that money to invest, to be yeah. honest. When it came down to it, it's like huge buyer's remorse. I should be investing that whatever X amount of dollars I spend every month on the Hellcat. Really? Wow. And we love experiences as well. We, we love that. And if you invest your money well, all of your experiences can be paid for yeah. the investments without dipping into your personal income. Yeah, that's, that's basically what I told my wife. I was like, we'll get a nice car once our passive income through, uh, through assets that we own Yep. Overtakes what it would cost me to be able to like put the car on a on a Smart. you know payment plan because you know a lot of times it makes like for some people they'll be like oh we'll just pay cash or whatever no. or it's like <laughs> well but then but then I just wasted a bunch of cash that could yeah. be earning me more money than the interest cost me on the car right right like as long as you do a good job maintaining your credit you can get really great interest on loans like that right and you can earn double or triple on some of the investments especially like some of the ones that you're putting together yeah um, or any other number of syndicators are putting together or just in the stock market mutual funds indexed funds things absolutely. like that absolutely I'll throw my buddy David under the bus if he listens to this sorry David <laughs> he just bought a, a Porsche for a hundred thousand in cash okay and we told him not to he did it in he's a huge he raced cars I mean okay. way bigger car nut than I am yeah he has the money and he's investing but the the, the deal I was just looking at with him in in uh, Phoenix would have made him 8% a year 
cash flow and cash overall flow. like 15%, plus it gives him tax write-offs. Yeah. He could have financed the car, paid for it with the cash flow if he had invested that money. And he's like, yeah, but I don't have a payment. I, you know. So I, I don't know, everyone has different goals, but I for sure want to invest every penny. My goal is to be out by the time I'm 45. Yeah. Not half Out of the rat race. Out of the yeah. rat race. Right. And to do what you want to do at that point. You can't do that paying cash for cars. You yeah. can't do that buying yourself a million dollar house right. until you've got a certain amount of investment. Sure. Yeah. So. Okay. So back into the story here. So um, in college, you mentioned that you started in door to door. What prompted you to do that? And what kind of lessons did you take away from that? Well, you know, when all these Mormon missionaries get back from their missions, they're expert prospectors. Yeah. I just spent two years knocking on doors, talking to people in parks about Jesus. Which is That's a hard topic. to sell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah not it's, everyone wants... It's not an easy product. Yeah, not everyone <laughs> wants to be told to change their religion, right? right? Like, most right. people aren't exactly looking for that. Right. And there are some, and, and it was, hey, by the way, fun experience, amazing, hard, but but awesome. Um, so they recruit heavily in Provo, Utah, where yeah. all these Mormon missionaries come to go, missionaries the come to, go to BYU. The mecca sales, yeah. Yeah, so I got recruited and I said, you know, I'd rather, my first summer home, I laid carpet for my stepdad up in Boise, made, I don't know, like $8,000. Yeah, and all putting these friends, in like manual labor. Yeah, and, manual labor, had all these friends making 20, 30, 40 grand. And yeah. My first summer, I made 50 grand, 55. So, so, so it was very much like in that school specifically, yep. there's a big, like pretty much everybody does summer programs. Like what's the culture like? There's thousands of kids and that every summer go out and, and do door to door at pest control, yeah. alarm systems, solar. Sa satellite, solar now is huge. Yeah. So you, you can't escape it if you live right. in, in, right. BYU, in the Provo area. What about uh, network marketing companies? I know that's a huge Utah's for them Utah's huge for network marketing. Yeah. Top place in the world for network marketing. I think 7% of people that join actually make money. Do they do they recruit out of the out of the everywhere all over Utah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super heavy and there's there's 15 billboards on the freeway and yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's it's super heavy there. Yeah, a lot of the big houses there are built off of the back of door-to-door -door salespeople and network yep. marketers, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so that's obviously something you and I share as a yeah. common background yeah. is knocking doors and even specifically selling alarms, like selling right. the actual product that we sold. What were some of like your biggest takeaways? What were some of your biggest um, your biggest lessons that you took from that experience and you still use to this day? Um, it's hard work. And you and I were talking about podcasts I'm doing, and one of the topics I love is hard work will always beat talent. Hmm. And so my first summer in Philly, uh, and we're in the ghetto, there's dudes running around with AK-47s. It's not hard to sell an alarm system when people just got robbed last week. <laughs> but still, there's different levels of success among our office, and, and I think I finished with like 130 sales that summer. Hmm. There's guys doing 150, 200, and the only difference was maybe a little bit different in talent, but those guys worked so much harder than me. And I could how tell- How many hours on doors you're talking about or? And how many doors to hit per hour. Hmm. And they would go out mornings and stay yeah. later on Saturday nights. When, when you're in a summer program like that, because they, they basically pay for everything, right? Like they pay for your mm -hmm. lodging, your food, uh, they give you well, like a stipend or no, something No, no like food. That. So just your um, lodging? Just lodging for okay. the most part, travel out there. A so, lot of them, if, if they think you're gonna be a good salesman, they'll give you a signing bonus. Sure, yeah. But you're 100% commission essentially. Yep. So how much control do they have over your schedule? How often you go to work? Um, not a ton. I mean, okay. 
there's guys that sit in the park on their phone all day. Sure. You know, sure. and yeah. so they can't force you to work. They try to send people home if they're just not motivated. Right. Um, but my next couple of summers, you know, I did pretty well. And then I realized there was guys with less talent than me keeping up with me. Out earning you, yeah. And there was guys with more talent with, than me that I was out earning. Sure. And that's something that really hit home. Um, it was 100% up to how hard I worked. Hmm. And I could do just as good as the guys that were way more talented than me. There was guys that I was jealous of that were like yeah. phenomenal sales guys, the most naturally gifted. Yeah. Um, they had it. They had it, yeah, it was, for sure. Yeah. And I'd outsell them because I was just focused. And then there's guys that were just not talented at all. Yeah. That would still sell 100 deals. But they just, go from eight to eight every day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just just grind it out. So that's probably the biggest lesson for me. If you can combine to do the two, then you're really dangerous. Yeah, but right. Most of the talented guys. That seem that, that yeah. seems to be how like like the top point zero zero one percent of the of any industry mm-hmm. is that right. Yep. It's the, ta- the 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 person that just has the God given abilities, but also has put in an insane amount of work behind it. Like right. those are the LeBron Jameses, the Kobe yep. Bryants, Michael Jordans of the world. Like yep. those are the people that apps the Tom Brady's, right? Like because they have a bunch of talent, but they know the talent doesn't get them to that top position. Yeah. And though they're constantly, constantly I was just watching an interview uh, with Allen Iverson, where he's talking about Kobe, <laughs> and uh, Allen Iverson was visiting Kobe down in LA. We're talking and, about uh, practice, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good video too. Um, but yeah, he said uh, he uh, Kobe asked him what he was doing that night, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go go out to the club," you know. He's like, "What are you up to?" And he was like, oh, "I'm going to the gym," <laughs> you know. Yep. It was just like that's just that's just what it was. That was yeah. that was how it is for those people. So, well, look at the example I like is Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James. They entered the league the same time. Mm-hmm. Same body, 6'8", 275, amazing talents. Yeah. And, and almost identical physical form. Yeah. Carmelo's and, struggling to stay in the league. And you can just argue, get a job. too, that Carmelo um, had more experience coming into the league. Way more. With like, playing at Syracuse for like, as National well Championship. as he did. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, I mean, the stuff that LeBron does is absolutely insane. Amazes me. Just, he's still in year. He's in year seventeen, I think, now yeah. in the league, and yeah. he still plays like he's you know twenty five, twenty six years old. It's just incredible the amount of discipline it would take to mm-hmm. be able to you know have that type of longevity in a sport oh, yeah. where you just beat yourself up all the time. Well, we're the same age, and so I you know I played high school basketball, and LeBron was p- playing, and I'm getting old and slow, and can't <laughs> dunk anymore, and he's you know winning championships. Right. So. Right. Well, cool, man. So, so door to door, you know, taught me a ton of lessons, and I, mm. I, I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. If there's like a young kid listening right now, you know, 17, 18 years old, kind of curious on if they should go to college or if they should just kind of enter the workforce, if they're looking to get into business, what would you recommend? Now that you've, especially because now you're you're in real estate, you do like residential real estate sales yeah. uh, for a while, and now yeah. commercial uh, side of it too. Would it be better for them to start in something like door to door to cut their teeth to like or to like learn those types of things, or was it better just to kind of get like go to the end game, which which for you was was the real estate markets? Um, really good question. I believe in college as far as you need to get an education. You need to take English classes, economics classes. You really need to learn those things. They're not going to make you wealthy, and they're not going to make you happy and and successful. Mm. 
the way you become happy and successful is learning to improve yourself. And most of the time, most of the people I spend time around, that's through sales. To become a good salesman, you know, it, it's 100% about psychology. Yeah. So when I transitioned into real estate, I realized I was a terrible salesperson. Anybody can go out and pound the doors all summer and get some decent amount of sales. Um, real estate, I had to take my personal development to the next level. Hmm. So I had an education, formal education. That taught me a lot of things that I needed, but my personal development was way behind. Hmm. I needed to become or learn how to be not as boring and learn how to work with people and take care of clients. And um, so I would say your personal development, for me it was through sales, is more important than a formal education. Yeah. But the formal education is still very, very important. Self-education over, like, I really just think it's the habit of self-education, yeah. right? Like you can get a formal education, but if in your mind education stops there, that's where you're you're missing the whole point, and and I think mm -hmm. that's where the majority of people are. Is that it's funny because um, you know I, we just had our, our son Cam. He's yeah. nine months, almost ten months now, which is crazy. Yeah, um, that it's already coming up on a year. But um, I think about it even in, in in those terms because every single day it seems like he's learning something new. Every single day it seems like he's picking himself up on something. He's taking yeah. steps over here and like moving around and. Uh, um, you know, saying like uh, saying a different sound, like coming up. There's right. something new that he's learning all the time, and it's so cool to watch. And it makes you kind of like internalize that and ask yourself, "Well, man, what did I learn today?" You right. know, like he learned how to do this. Like he learned how to like grab his water cup and take a drink and put it back down without right. me doing it. Like you know what I mean? Right. But what did I learn today? And I think that most adults find themselves in just like what we we're talking about earlier, the rat race and uh, just are doing the next thing, constantly doing the next thing, or when they're not doing the next thing, they're just focused on you know drinking with their buddies on the weekend or Netflix whatever it is. Chill, yeah, man. right, exactly. Um, well, and, let's uh, take it to the next level, Travis. Um, your son, and you'll find this out in a couple years, I have a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and six-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. They need to learn, but all of a sudden, they need to start learning how to make good decisions. Mm. They have to apply what they learn, and so, we go to these seminars, I'm going to Grant Cardone this weekend, and, and, and I go to all these different trainings, and there's what, what I call the perpetual learner. They know everything they yeah. need to be successful. They don't allow themselves to be held accountable. So my six-year-old knows that she's not supposed to kick her little brother when he's tackling her or bugging her, and she'll kick, her, kick him off her and, <laughs> or shove him down or, or swing him around by his arms. You know, yeah. so, you get these these little humans that are just hilarious, so much fun to hang out with, and you can teach them everything they're supposed to do, but human nature does not allow them and anybody to always apply what you know because yeah. there's temptation and urges to do other things. And success is all about um, being held accountable hmm. and applying what you've learned, and that's not usually the easiest thing yeah. to do. And so the these, actual doing the doing and going to the next level and, and being disciplined. Hmm. So I have to discipline my kids and I yeah. tell her to go put her nose on the wall. You just kicked your brother and she'll sit there for five minutes. She'll start crying, she's bored, but she learns that she's not supposed to kick her little brother and, and it, it's, it's a simple thing, but um, adults don't allow themselves to be held accountable. Hmm. Parents can no longer tell them what to do. And right. so in the sales world, you asked me a minute ago, you know, how do they track what these 
door-to-door salesmen, are they able to force them to work? Well, no. The successful ones are the ones that allow themselves to be held accountable. Yeah. And I always have huge accountability in my life. So I have $1,000 on the line to get to the gym every single morning. Hmm. And I have business partners where I'll post on Facebook. I'll, I said, Lyndon, if I don't make a certain amount of calls to these brokers for the deals we're looking, I'll post on Facebook that I'm a terrible business partner. <laughs> so every day I text Lyndon, yeah. hey, I made my calls today. I'm a good business partner. Yeah. Um, but that's the biggest difference I've seen in people. They just won't allow themselves to be held accountable. Why do you think that is? difficult it's not fun yeah and their their goals and their dreams are not uh important enough that, for them yeah. so that that i think is where we get down to the root of the yeah. issue right yeah. like they don't have a big enough why mm-hmm. that drives them to actually do the things that they're doing because i think most people are doing something that um doesn't fire them up that they're not doing yeah. something that that they love Right. And so they're doing the thing that everybody else told them will be the thing that will make them happy. Right. When they never took the time to look inside and ask, like, what would be that thing to make me happy? They just kind of go out and become a lawyer because that's what their dad was and that's yeah. what he told you to do. And so yeah. I went to law school and now I'm a lawyer. And then, and then on a daily basis, you're just going through this, like, this this mindset of beating yourself up and just trying to make it happen and you're not going to be successful doing that because you don't have a deep enough reason why you're doing what you're doing there's no there's no substance there right right? um what are what are some other things that uh people like that if 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 they're in a situation like that and uh maybe it's not an option for them right now to you know give it all up and walk away um, maybe for you know various life circumstances, what would be some ways for them to kind of try to kindle that fire inside? Yeah, I, I get a bunch of people that will reach out to me and say, hey, will you mentor me? Will you help me here? And a guy from my Dodge Hellcat club did that. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mentor you. And, and he's like, well, I, I don't have time to learn these new skills because I have a full-time job. And I said, okay, yeah, I can appreciate that. But what do you do from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m.? Right. Well, I'm with my girlfriend, we do Netflix. And so we identified at like four hours a day, he's basically vegging out, doing mm-hmm. nothing. Right. So my day is I work from 8 a.m., I do a break to hang out with my son and daughter at 9 a.m., then back, at t- back on it at 10 a.m. until my daughter get home, gets home from school, I hang out with the family for a couple hours. Then I work until 10, 11 p.m. Hmm. I am not hanging out watching Netflix, Sports Center. I have no idea what the sports scores are. Yeah. And so I think most people, um, actual work that they put in is, is just a few hours a day and they waste so much time, social media or whatever it is. And so um, I would say- They're busy, but they're not productive. They're not, produ- they're not uh, yeah, they're not productive at, at all and not utilizing their time to benefit themselves. Yeah, especially in this like hustle culture that's been kind of mm-hmm. put out there by a lot of entrepreneurs where it's like, you know, work 16, 18 hour days and all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, I have friends that will brag about how like how much they work and it's just like, okay, but what are you doing during those hours? Right. Because like, I don't know if I could fill up my day with 18 hours. Like that's a long yeah. time to be con- like, you don't need to do that much. No. If you're doing that much, you're probably doing something wrong, unless you're running a nine-figure or ten-figure company or something like that. Or you have two but, jobs. Or, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But like in terms of the actual tasks that you need to do to stay on track and be productive for the day, mm-hmm. like 
focus on productivity. Don't focus yeah. on a bunch of busy work that just makes you feel better about your work day. Yeah. Um, I was training a real estate agent and he just said he was too busy to get to all these things and he made less than 70,000 last year. Hmm. I said, Sean, I'm training you and I'm making seven figures and I'm starting a new company. Right. So I'm sorry, but I don't buy your excuse right. that you're making 70 grand and you're too busy to do these extra things. It just, right. so yeah, you're exactly right. People are not efficient with their time at all. And, and that's my thing is I have to be efficient because I, I still have to sell homes and sell yeah. real estate, build my syndication business. I have a podcast I'm trying to launch. And, and a family to spend time with. And family. So when I'm with my kids, I'm focused, playing, wrestling, whatever. And then when it's din dinner time's over, I'm back in the office, the door is locked, hmm. and I'm back at work. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. So a little bit back into the story now. So you do door to door for a while, you flip a home. Is that first taste of real estate? And then you're like, hey, I'm yeah. gonna try this agency thing out? Yeah, so I got my real estate license right when I um, got that first house. And During I was still in school. Still, okay. Yeah, I was still in school. So um, I made zero sales in my first six months as an agent. Hmm. My only sale was the house I bought. <laughs> um, <laughs> made a sale and realized I needed the training and I, I really need to let myself be held accountable. I was just kind of hoping someone would buy a house with, with me. And the market was tough back then. Sure. Um, switched to a brokerage where the personal development, the training was amazing. Did 16 deals my next six months. Nice. Made like 80 grand. Realized I was losing a lot of money by staying in school. I think I have four classes, five classes left to get my bachelor's in construction management, but I took a break. I, did, I didn't quit. Yeah. I will get my bachelor's someday. Um, but then I, I really focused in on learning how to become a great salesperson. Okay. And then that transitioned into, okay, I can sell a lot of real estate, but how do I take care of people? Hmm. And I realized I hit a brick wall in my sales career where 
my my shortcoming was I didn't take care of my clients. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a few years and and uh, grew and and it's been awesome. Yeah, that's gotta be one of the most saturated industries in the country. It's crazy. Um, how many people are licensed yeah. uh, uh, realtors? So how did you jump in being that young and skyrocket up to a seven figure income? And, and for everybody listening, just for context, this isn't seven figures in like, you know, product being moved and in, in, in gross sales. Like this is seven figures in commissions yeah. on real estate transactions. And to be able to do that, like I said, at, at that young of an age is, is no small task, especially in an industry that is insanely saturated. Yeah. Um, so what were, what do you think the top, you know, one or two things that you did differently than what other people did that allowed you to, you know, top that list? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I hired a coach, okay. you know, LeBron has multiple coaches mm -hmm. and spends over a million dollars a year just on health. Michael Jordan had health. Tim Grover. That was yeah. one of his, he paid Tim Grover to only coach Michael Jordan. I don't know if you knew that. Oh really? But. Michael and Tim's agreement was, Tim, you cannot Exclusive. train yeah. anybody else while I'm an active, yeah. active in the NBA. Um, anyways, so hired a coach, and that is by far the thing that has helped me the most is a coach that didn't tell me, hey, go do some social media posts, mm -hmm. go do, you know, go um, sit and, and answer the phones and hope that someone comes to you. He taught me, hey, look at your numbers. It's a numbers game. Call more people, talk to more people, still do the social media posts because that's important. But I learned how to create a repeatable and predictable business. Mike Ferry Coaching is, is by far, if you want to work hard, the best thing for real estate agents. And I Im increased my income by 50 grand a year by doing that wow. for five years in a row. And then I made a huge jump where I, I more than doubled my income that in 2018. Hmm. What do you think that was um, for? I learned how to talk investments. Gotcha. And I learned how to work with investors. I connected with a really good group, a really good business plan, um, business model, selling fourplexes and, and listed some big projects. And, but it was really taking care of people and learning how to understand and talk investments. Most realtors don't have a clue how to predict it or calculate a cap rate and, right. and understand investments. And it's, it's, it's actually crazy to me how insanely separated the two things are. Yeah. Like being a real estate agent and being a real estate investor. There's so many people that are agents that, like you said, zero clue yeah. on what, what the investment side is. You know, those right. are the same people that are telling you to buy when the market's at the top. Yep. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, it's a great time to buy. It's a great time to buy. It's a great it's investment. Like, buy oh, it. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a great yeah. time. <laughs> Even among commercial brokers, I mean, here's the crazy thing is I'm getting more and more into commercial. There's brokers sending me deals. Hey, this is a great deal. Buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it, it's not. So what I learned, um, I would say the second thing, going back to our story, what I really learned is become an absolute expert and be honest about the field that you're in. Hmm. And so I would say, hey, I'm right, Mr. Investor, do not buy this deal. Yeah. And I will get more business from saying that than trying to pitch you a good deal. Yeah. When I say, hey, I've got this deal for you, but to be honest, I probably wouldn't buy it. Yeah. Let's keep looking around. Let's, let's be patient and find you a good deal. Yeah. So I became an absolute expert in the investment field and made sure that I wasn't fudging the numbers and, and I was sure. honest with people. What were the top few tasks that you did to make sure that you were an expert in the investment field? Um, just education. Immersed my, I paid a lot of money for coaching, spent a ton of time running cap rates, 
YouTube, looking at, deals. looking at deals, talking with commercial brokers, spending time with big time investors. Yeah. Um, I made it my mission in life to not just understand investments, but be an expert and do whatever it took to be in the top 1% in that field. Knowledge-wise. Sure. So it seems like every time you do something, a new venture, a new you know goal or dream, it seems like you go straight to, let me find somebody who's mm -hmm. already done what I want to do, and let me get around that person and spend as much time with them as I can, right? That's, pretty, that's what I'm hearing throughout the entire story we've been talking about. Life is just monkey see, monkey do. There's always someone that can show you how to do what you Nothing want to do. Nothing new under the sun, yeah. No. I mean, that's everything that we teach here on the show is is exactly that. Like if you want to be good at something, if you want to be the best at something, then go get around the people that are doing it the mm -hmm. best and just spend as much time with you possibly can. Like yeah. even if you can't, even, let's say they don't even, let's say they don't even offer coaching, they don't offer mentorship, they don't do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Just getting around them. Here's a story for you. Listening to conversations, everything makes you, makes you start going, that, going down that path. Absolutely, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I don't love, I hate group scenarios. I love one-on-one, okay. -on -one, hate group situations. I'd go to these trainings here in Vegas with the Mike Ferry group and there's these quote unquote superstars mm. making a million, two million, five million a year, hugely successful agents. I could not bring myself to go talk to them at first. I was way too scared mm. and nervous and just unconfident. But I wanted it so bad, I, I started going up to them at the breaks and, and it became easier. They're always super nice and, and, and so yeah, I started just asking them questions. Mm. And they'd ask me questions back and, and I would learn just amazing tips. Um, and just the exposure to these guys. So one of the cool stories is eight years ago, I went up to this guy named Michael and he said, what the hell are you doing with your time? He's like, you're doing 30 deals. So do you like sit in bed at home and just sleep half the day? Like <laughs> you're making how many calls a day? And I'm like, yeah, I need to get a lot more discipline, don't I? <laughs> now he's one of my business partners. That's funny. And we'll probably buy $20, $30 million in properties together this year. But I was so scared to go talk with him. And he was the nicest guy about it. Right. But, he, but just absolutely changed my, my life. And, well, and, and, um, and that, But that's the kind of advice you need to hear. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. The, the problem is everybody looks for advice in the wrong places. Yeah. Like they'll go to somebody who's also doing 30 deals a year. Or uh -huh. how many did you say? 40, 50? 30, 30, yeah. Yeah. So if, you're, if they'll go to somebody who's also making 30 deals, do, doing 30 deals a year. Or they'll go to the guy that's doing 50 deals a year and be like, hey, you're ahead of me. How do I get to 50 deals right. a year? And it's like, no, no, no. We want to think about how you can get to three, 30 deals to 100 deals right. a year. Like we wanna make a jump here. And hearing tough love for somebody like that, that's just like, man, 30 deals, what do you do with your time? Like yeah. it clearly just means that like- And he's doing his, 150. Yeah, and, and his his advice would, would be centered around the fact that like, well, you're clearly just not working enough. Right. Like the, if that's the volume that you have, I know this business well enough to understand that the main thing that you need to do is just work more. Right. Like, that's it. It's cut clear. It's simple. Yep. But when you talk to somebody who hasn't walked that path, they don't know the ins and outs of the industry. They can't see the blimp view. They're in the weeds with you. Right. So how did how can you expect to get advice that's actually going to be worth a damn when you're getting it from somebody who's like following you through the weeds? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it, it's mind blowing that we don't think about it. It's right. just like second nature to go to like your mom or dad. They may love you and they may have great intentions for your life and they may be good at what they do. But if it's not the thing that you're trying to do, then the advice that they take, that they give you has to be taken with a grain of salt. Absolutely. You can't just trust it and do what they say because 
they love you. Like Absolutely. love doesn't equal good advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a really good point. And usually it's bad advice. Uh, usually it's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Because they know they don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. So get around people. And they want that, you to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get around people that are okay being honest to you. Yeah. Yeah. Or with you. Yeah. And that's what I like so much about a lot of the other, uh, you know, business influencers and the content they put out there is, um, is I think that's where a lot of my, like, being risk averse or, or, uh, or being okay with risk comes from is just hearing it from people who are just crushing it on a scale that I can't even comprehend. Yeah. Like looking at the, the risks that they take and just being like, you know what? I think I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I remember, um, I did a, we did a flip one time and we actually still own it. So it was not a successful flip okay. uh, is what that means. <laughs> so we did a, we did a flip in a market that we didn't know and, uh, we couldn't sell it for a profit. So we just held it, which is kind of the cool thing about real estate is that yeah. we haven't lost anything, you know, nice. it's just a rental property, right? Tax right off. Yeah, sure. Um, but in the terms of like a flip, it was not a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I remember, I remember sitting down and looking at like how much we were under on it. And I was just like beating myself up over it. And then I hop on a podcast interview, uh, with a guy who was doing multifamily investing. And, uh, he talked to me about his, one of his partners that lost in, um, in the crash, he lost, uh, 50 million on one deal, $50 million on one deal. And I was just like. Uh, I think like the 20 or 30 grand that I'm in the hole is like, it puts it at a whole new perspective. Yeah. Um, it allows me to look at that as like, you know what? That's not a large amount of money. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Like I, it, you know, life happens and it was a huge learning lesson. And now I can take that and I can apply it into something else in the future. But like when you get around people that are crushing it at a level that you don't even, can't even mm-hmm. comprehend at the moment, it allows you to start reprogramming your brain to, to train yourself to be like, Hey, look, this is a lot. This is a little. Like this, this, what I used to think was a huge number is yeah. actually really, really small number. You know what I mean? Like I, Absolutely. growing up, I thought six figures was like, man, you can make six figures. You're balling. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I made six figures and I was like, I need more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. My goal getting in real estate is someday I'll make a hundred thousand a year. A hundred thousand. There's just something s- about that. A hundred thousand yeah. a year. Wow. I did yeah. that my second year in real estate. I was like, oh, that's actually not that cool. Yeah, like, and uh, where's all my money? Expenses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and when I got into syndication, I was like, man, I wonder, I wonder if we could get like a couple hundred million dollars in assets. Yeah. And I go and meet this guy. We're now kind of buddies, and he's out of Salt Lake as well. He has 1.6 billion in multifamily holdings. Wow. He's only been doing it 10 years. 10 years and 1.6 billion. 1.6 billion. So now my goal is to get to a billion by 2029. Yeah. And this is a tougher market. So sure. I hate him because he started <laughs> in 2010. Yeah. I started in 2010, but I started with a little house. Yeah. And he started buying 200 unit apartment complexes. Look at the difference where we're at now. I'm not doing bad, but he's making seven figures a month off of his Passive assets. So um, yeah, my goal quickly changed when I hung out with his name's Jed. Just to, and his investors make a ton of money. So. Um, he's benefited and, and now he's trying to go for a couple billion and yeah. he'll probably get there in half the time. Yeah, man, that, that's so much of what we just talked about. I, I got to ask you this question because it's what I ask everybody on the show. Um, and I'm curious to hear what your answer would be since we've talked both sides of the coin yeah. um, in the conversation. Who you know or what you know, Sam, which one's more important? It's always going to be who you know because what you know never matters until you've been introduced to the right people. So. Mm. I'm, I've been, 
I've had the sales knowledge, and I, I was a great salesperson in real estate, selling 30, 40, 50, 60 homes a year. All of a sudden, I met the right group, an opportunity opened, and I doubled my income the next year. Hmm. And right now, I have an opportunity to take one of the number one builders in, in Utah to Idaho. Hmm. Wow. And that could easily make me seven figures. Yeah. But guess what? If I didn't work out at the gym every day with this guy, I'd never have that opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. He wouldn't even know who I was. We just started working out at the gym together. And if I had never competed with this other guy in the listing, I would have never sold the fourplexes with that group and made seven figures with them. And, and so you have to know the what, but you'll never, to do, never be able to do as much as you could with the what without the opportunities through the who. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And the, I think what people just don't understand when they think of the who versus what equation is that every single partnership every single transaction, every single business move comes down to one thing, trust. Mm -hmm. Trust. If yep. somebody doesn't trust you, they're not gonna give you a million dollars for a uh, apartment project that you're working on. Right. Like if, if somebody doesn't trust you, they're not gonna sign a contract to let you list their house for them. Like trust is the ultimate yeah. form of currency. And uh, how do you get trust with people? You have to build relationships and you have to develop the who you have to work Absolutely. on the who, and then you can, you know, as long as you're competent, right? Like right. that's what I always say about the what is, is that you have to be competent. You have to, you can't just be dead weight because there's a big difference between those two. Cause I think some, when I ask that question, people are like, well, you know, you gotta be good. It's like, okay, yeah, that, I think that's just a prereq. Right. Like if you're not at least a competent person that's ambitious and willing to learn and eager to grow, yep. then that's a problem. That's a baseline. And, you, right, you have exactly. to have something. It's gotta start there, right? But the mm -hmm. who is ultimately going to be that thing that takes you to the next level. And the who to me is always, and we just talked about in this conversation, every time you taught, you said you made a next move, the way that you crushed it was by getting around somebody who was already crushing it. Yep. So your what increased by your who, oh, right? Yeah. Instead of reading 10 books about it, you went and hung out with a billion dollar producer, yeah. you're going to learn way more in that situation than you did by reading 10 books about it. It's just yep. a fact. It is, it is. And, and the, the, I like what you just kind of phrased it. There's who and there's what, and you got to know the who, but on the flip side, you have to be the who to, because otherwise the what doesn't matter. So the deals that we're doing, they're a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. You can go invest in a syndication and make your seven to eight to 10%. Yeah. There's so many good deals out there, but you have to be the type of group and individuals, just like you said, that people trust, but have um, the ability to take care of people. Mm -hmm. And Grant Cardone, can raise millions upon millions because of who he is. Yeah. His deals aren't that great. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. They're really good, solid, safe deals. Yeah. But guess what? Our investors make way more money than his investors. The only difference is he knows millions more people than I do and people know him. The trust is through the roof. The trust is yeah. through the credibility, yeah. the trust, and he's is, performed. Yeah, right. He is the type exactly. of person that's performed and has a track record. Yep. And Which so, continues to build the trust. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But his deals, the what, isn't that important. Right. Honestly, he can go pitch probably the crappiest deal in St. Louis, Missouri, worst crime city in America, and I bet you he'd sell out in no time at all. Yep. People would not care By like what three or pitching. four emails, yeah. he would be completely sold out. He, no, he'd just do a Twitter post, probably <laughs> like Instagram, what, and he'd be sold out. Right. Because he's the who. Right, sure. 
Yeah, that's such a that's such a great point, especially now in the age of social media and digital yeah. influencers and podcasts, YouTube channels, and yeah. all the different ways to get in touch with people. You can have that level of trust with a lot of people mm -hmm. through content just like this. So, absolutely. Um, let's talk about that for a second. I know you had said that you're launching a podcast, and yeah. uh, we're uh, stoked me and my team to be helping you out with that. So, talk yeah. to me about. Um, what that process has been like for you, what kind of results you've seen so far, even though we haven't even launched the show yet. Well, I love your show, and I don't remember how I found out about Build Your Network. I'll try and think on that, but... Uh, bigger Pockets? No. No. Probably just social media. Okay. So good job, but... Okay. Um, I was, most it, of my real estate audience comes from my Bigger Pockets interview. Oh, um, no, uh, I, I think, I don't know, I don't know. Anyways, I loved the concept immediately because yeah. I, I believe so wholeheartedly and it's who you know. Um, but I liked what you did. I saw, I said, okay, this kid's young, he's younger than me, hugely successful. Look at the people that, again, the who, who he's had on his show. You did a great job on it. And then I, I saw you start offering some content. So I subscribed, I think I paid for a couple hundred dollar deals a few times, mm -hmm. loved the content. And um, I had all these friends telling me I needed to start a podcast. Yeah. I said, there's no way in hell I have time. I'm working <laughs> full-time real estate agent selling yeah. properties in Utah and Idaho to investors. I was just in Idaho this last weekend. Now I'm down in Vegas. Anyways, there's no way I have time for that. Yeah. But everyone told me you have to do it because it'll open up opportunities for you. You meet the right people. They're gonna find deals for you. Probably find some investors through it as well. So anyways, you, you had your... Um, you know, your offers out there, and, and I, I think I called you up or something, but um, I knew I wanted someone to do it really, really professionally who had already been very successful. So there's a lot of podcast coaches out there, and I researched a bunch, and none of them had a very good podcast. Mm. And I was like, uh, again, I need to spend time with a guy that's already done it, that's done really well. I think you had just interviewed Elena Cardone, and I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. And then you got Grant Cardone on, I think, I don't know, a month or two later after yep. that. Yep. So um, I don't remember what your question is entirely, but that's why I hired you to yep. work with me. Yeah. So what kind of results has it given you already? Yeah, really good question. So I haven't even launched, and that's my fault, not your guys's. <laughs> um, I've got a good amount of interviews in. And so far, I targeted people that I wanted to get to know, that I wanted to network with. And, and I tried to make it per your advice about them and make them feel important. And it's gone so well. Uh, we just opened up our Cincinnati um, purchase to investors. Mm -hmm. We're buying it for 15 million. We needed to raise 7.2. And we did that in 10 days. And I sent one email to like 10 people. Wow. And those 10 people had been on my, sh I started doing a, kind of a podcast specifically for a group that I target, the high producing real estate agents. Mm -hmm. And out of that group, I raised 1.5 million in like four days. Wow. And then as a group, we raised the 7.2 just so fast. And so my partner has a podcast and he has a full, mine's not even launched yet. And out of the people that I've had on the podcast, we've had quite a few invest in the deal wow. and also send us referrals. We've got a guy that wanted to throw 800,000 in the deal. Yeah. We said, hold up, we've got a few other deals. We can't take all your money. We've got to divvy it out to our other investors. but. It's been hugely beneficial, um, and the design and, and everything has been so much more professional and better than what I could have done on my own. I knew that I needed to focus on getting the interviews done and let someone do the content creation. Sure. Anyway, so 
I think it's going to be awesome. It hasn't yeah. launched yet. Yeah. Well, but I'm I mean, already it's seeing already, huge yeah, benefits. Exactly. That's the whole, and that's one of the biggest things that I preach on about podcasting is like, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be the next, you know, Gary V audio experience in order to be something that is worth your time. Yeah. Cause exactly what we're talking about. I talk to a lot of people that are seven figure business owners, just like you, who mm-hmm. are super busy strapped for time, their yep. free time. They don't want to spend it doing something else. They want to spend it with their family. They want to spend it traveling or doing whatever, which mm-hmm. I totally agree with. Yep. Um, but you can't deny the power that having a show yeah. Uh, has for you and um the number one thing that i suggest people use it for is business development and exactly what you just it's said huge. like you've gotten multiple investors to come in you know seven figures investing in these deals that you've put together just through having them on your podcast and yep. you've gotten referrals from them like the biz dev yeah. tool that podcasting is regardless and we haven't even launched the show yet <laughs> so regardless yeah. of like ever getting a listener you have zero listeners right now yep. and you've already like you know, a hundred X the investment from it, from like, from relationships that you've built and just from interviews. Here's the coolest part. There's people that I've been able to interview and connect with just because I invited them to be on my podcast. Hmm. People want to talk about themselves. Yep. They want to feel special. They want to feel important. I understand that. And so my pitch is, Hey, I want to help you reach out to your sphere of influence, mm-hmm. your audience, so I'm going to make you look like a hero on my podcast. It launches next month. Yep. And I've had two or three people that I don't know if they would have given me the time of day. One guy is a billion dollar, um, owns a billion dollar company and, and I just, nobody knows who he is, but he's yeah. a family office guy and he's like, yeah, sure. I'll jump on your podcast. That sounds yep. great. I'm always looking to put out content. Yep. I was yep. amazed that he and a couple other people were just like, yeah, Sam, that sounds awesome. And the funniest story is my business partner, Lyndon, had been reaching out to this dude. They had mutual (laughs) friends. They were reaching out, reaching out, and all I did is send him a Facebook message, hey, you're hugely successful, and we just bought a hotel in the hotel space. I wanna pick your brain, but I wanna do it on my podcast, and I wanna help you talk about what you're doing because what you're doing is amazing. Instant reply, had him on the podcast two days later. That's, bro, that's a perfect example. Um, and it reminds me of when I started my show and when I really first realized the power of having a show. Mm-hmm. Because I was reaching out to this guy. He was a pretty, good, pretty big influencer name in the space. And um, I asked him for three minutes on a phone call. And he hit me back. You know, I was grateful that he replied, but he was like, hey, man, I can't do that because I have people that are in my mastermind. They pay me $35,000 a year to have access to my cell phone. Wouldn't be fair to them if I jumped on the call with you for free. Yeah. And I was like, hey, totally get that. Respect it. Um, uh, and then I kind of just went about my, my business. But on the email signature, it said that I was a podcast host. And then he offered, without me asking, to come on my podcast. Wow. And I was like, wow, so you're going to say no to a three-minute <laughs> phone call but you'll say yes to a 45 minute podcast interview that I share with an audience and, sh- and, and like then at that point I get to put myself on the same platform with you and share off of your name, influence and credibility. Like that was a mind blowing experience for me and opened my eyes to the world of like, wow, this is the perfect excuse mm-hmm. to have a conversation with whoever I want to have a conversation with. Yep. So don't ask for people's time, figure out and don't ask them how you can add value. Yeah. Figure out a way to make them make it beneficial for them. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. And, and they'll do it every time. I love it, bro. Um, if there's anything, any last thoughts, any final thoughts that you want to leave with the audience to think about for the rest of the day? I would say just, just think about what you're doing with your discretionary income. My biggest thing is like we already talked about, um, save your money and invest so you can retire young. And, and that's, 
I'm hugely passionate about that. And um, that's all I really want to talk about. To, to yeah. Talk about with people every single day is what are you doing with your money? And what are you doing with your time? And what do you want to be doing in 10 years? My goal in 10 years is to be taking my kids on a six-month vacation, then a 12-month vacation, traveling the world, and that's my why, that's what I want to do, and that's why I'm investing now, whether it's real estate or stocks or whatever you want to invest in. Think about the lifestyle you want to have with your family, and um, why not go bigger, why not go better, and have those experiences that you and I talked about, traveling the world. Um, that's what I love, and, and that's what our goal is here, and that's why I'm grinding so hard right now. So I know that you're going to be doing a lot of that, teaching a lot of that on your podcast, which is called right. Recession Proof. Can you talk to us like how to find that and then when it's launching? Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll have the website up, but Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. Uh, we'll talk about do's and don'ts and why you want to go big and not small. And, and um, my email is sam at mficlub. So we'll have that in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, sam at mficlub.com or you can shoot me a call or a text, but yeah, I would love to talk to you and, and we love analyzing deals. I was analyzing a deal with a guy on the way here and that's kind of what we do every day is, is just help people figure out if they should be buying the real estate that, that they're looking at buying and sure. kind of the whole purpose of the uh, real estate or recession-proof podcast. Yeah, love it, man. Well, thanks so much for joining the show today, man. I know you got a bunch of stuff to do. I know that I got a bunch of stuff to do, so yep. uh, we'll uh, cut it off right here and we'll uh, catch up next time. Thanks, thanks Travis. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's BYN innercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.